Hey, at this time, I would like to introduce our speaker, and then I will pray uh, for us as we listen to his message. Our speaker is the uh, Reverend Dr. Bernie Vanderwall. He is our uh, district superintendent, and uh, you may not have met him yet. He started in this role earlier this year, uh, so here's an opportunity for you to meet him, and I know sometime uh, in the future he will be at our church in person, I'm sure. So uh, let me pray, and then I'll hand it over to um, Bernie. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here to get together uh, in different locations. And I ask that you would um, now open our hearts and minds and ears to listen, to hear what you have to say to us uh, through Bernie's message. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Many of those who know me may know of my unique some call it strange, or weird, or even creepy hobby. When I travel, I visit the graves of the famous. I've been uh, to the graves of those as diverse as um, Julius Caesar, and John Wayne, and Marilyn Monroe, and John Dillinger, and Tommy Douglas, and JFK. And even, for those of you old enough to remember, my childhood hero, Robert Hummy. He's better known as the Friendly Giant. I always imagined it would have been a bigger grave. Recently, I added to my collection perhaps the most famous of all Canadians, Tim Horton. I have literally hundreds of others. Currently, I'm working on a new book where I'm going to tell the history of Christian thought through the biographies of its most famous thinkers. These biographies, though, won't be like normal biographies. Instead, they'll start by talking about where these people are buried, and then talk about how they died, and then end with telling the readers where they were born. The proposed title for such a book? The Underground Church. A lot of people ask me where this hobby began, and I don't think I can tell you for sure. Maybe it was as a child when I'd visit my family's hometown and be reacquainted with my ancestors. Perhaps, though, it started while I was in seminary, working evenings and weekends in a local funeral home. I saw all sorts of things while I worked there, things that most people never see and understandably have no desire to. But one experience in particular stands out to me. In the summer of 1995, a young man committed suicide by purposefully laying himself on the tracks in front of an approaching train. The engineers, of course, were unable to stop it in time, and after a quick autopsy, the cause of death was evident to everybody. He was brought to my place of work, and I can still to this day vividly remember the horrible condition of his dismembered body. Some of it was on the table, and some of it was in the sink, and some of it was even in bags. An artist, undoubtedly with a strong stomach, was brought in to prepare a sketch of this young man, this John Doe. 
uh, in the hope that someone, somewhere, would uh, not only identify this young man, but claim him for their own. And so for weeks, the police and media outlets circulated this picture, hoping that they could contact his family and that they could bring him home and they could give him a proper burial. Now, since it was impossible to embalm this young man, given the condition of his body, the local funeral home basically had to can him to preserve him while it waited for his family to appear. After almost an entire year, he went unidentified. He went unclaimed. No family has ever come forward to claim him as their own. And so social services, which paid for all these expenses, instructed the funeral home finally to bury him. Now, feeling that this young man deserved a funeral as much as anybody else, the owner of the funeral home approached me about officiating a graveside service for this young man. That was beyond the responsibility of social services. And I did so. And I was deeply honored and I was deeply moved to have done it. There were only five of us present. There was myself, two men from the funeral home, and two people from the cemetery. And so I was pastor, I was pallbearer, and I was mourner, all rolled into one. There is a sense in which more than anyone else, I was present there that day. And I remember thinking how very tragic this whole scene was. My heart broke for this young man that nobody seemed to know and that nobody seemed to love including the funerals of my own father, of my mother, and even that of my brother. I found this the hardest graveside to ever walk away from. If I remember correctly, it was a cold, damp, and windy morning. 1 Corinthians 15.10 But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. I was three years old when he moved into the neighborhood, into the house across the street. He'd been adopted by our neighbors who already had a brood of eight kids of their own. And it'll come as no surprise to you that Donnie and I became the, the best of friends. We grew up together. We did everything together. We were inseparable. Where you found one of us, you'd be sure to find the other. We walked to and from school together every day, twice a day, for years and years. We were often late for school together. Sometimes we skipped school together. We eventually even dropped out of high school together. We went to Sunday school together. We learned the Bible stories together. We went through catechism together. We were in Cubs together. We played baseball together. We played football together. 
We played hockey together. We camped together. We went to the beach together. We hunted gophers together. We developed an interest in girls together. Sometimes we developed an interest in the same girl together. On hot summer nights, we broke into the local public pool together. We shoplifted and we stole things together more than once. We got caught together more than once. I think we drank our first beer together. By grade four or so, we smoked our first pot together. Not much later, we smoked our first hashish together. Our trajectory was set. More often than I would care to remember or could probably even count, we got stoned together. And consequently, we got into more kinds of trouble together and did more kinds of things together than I'd ever care to admit, and much of which to this day I deeply regret. But we did everything together. Everything. Everything. We were inseparable. We were the closest of friends. The trajectory we were on together, however, had no good destination. 1 Corinthians 15.10 But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. It was grade 11. And some group called Youth for Christ was advertising a burger bash on my high school campus. All the burgers you could eat for $2. Well, that was our kind of event. And beyond that, all of who Donnie and I thought were the most interesting girls were going. And so we went to the Burger Bash together. And we had a great time together. Another friend of mine, a Bible school professor, let us know that group, uh, this group held events like this all the time. And it didn't hurt that he also let us know that most of those girls went to these events too. So we went together. And I found the conversations that they were having intriguing. I found the atmosphere welcoming. And so I continued to attend. Donnie? Not so much. Because these people explicitly and repeatedly shared the gospel with me, my life began to find a new trajectory. I came into dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. If, if you will, I accepted Jesus as my Savior and growingly as my Lord. Donnie? At least not to the same degree. And so I begin to see him less and less since our interests were growing further and further apart. Soon I was warmly embraced by a local alliance church where I was nurtured, where I was discipled, where I was encouraged, where I was 
loved and even one day were as hired on as staff. After years and years of continued drug abuse, Donnie took his own life in police custody. He was only 33. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. A few years ago, as was my habit, I was reading my hometown newspaper when I came across an article about John Doe. It seems a darling woman felt it was a shame that his grave had remained unmarked all those years and was granted permission to, a, to erect a stone on, on his behalf. A few weeks later, I was home with my family to later rest my, my mother-in-law. On the day after the funeral, I was taking care of some family business back at the cemetery where we had just laid her to rest. And as I was in the cemetery office, it struck me that while I was there, I should take the opportunity to stop by and see this new marker, this marker that, been in, that had been erected for John Doe, this lost, this tragic figure. And so I found out where he was buried and I made my way there. Pulling up to the proper section, I parked my car and I got out, camera in hand of course, because after all it was a grave. And so I returned to that place where 20 years prior I had found so very hard to leave. I felt an unusually strong tie to this young man that as far as I know, I, I never knew, I'd never met. I felt, I guess, that by my attendance, by my involvement in his service, that maybe I'd become the family that he didn't see to have. And so there I stood, finally, where I'd stood almost 20 years prior, this time at the foot of John Doe's grave, rather than at the head. And there I stood, deeply appreciative of the generosity of the woman who had the marker placed there. And I thought long, and I, I thought hard about how despondent, how lost, how messed up that young man must have been to have done what he did. I thought about how messed up the trajectory of his life must have been and I took a deep breath, trying to compose myself, and I looked around, and I, I wasn't ready. I, I couldn't be ready for what I was about to see, what I was about to feel. Because as I looked to the left, unbelievably, there it was. And my knees went weak. Immediately to the left of John Doe's marker was another marker, a marker that to me was equally as tragic. Donnie was buried immediately beside John Doe. I thought I was going to be sick.
And I stood there in stunned silence. And then I heard it clearly, almost audibly, four words. You are John Doe. Apart from my grace, you are John Doe. I mean, after all, Donnie and I did everything together. We were inseparable. And yet now there they were. Together. The two of them. Side by side. Until the Lord returns. Donnie and this other lost soul. You know, I'm convinced that the voice was absolutely right. 1 Corinthians 15.10 But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. You know, truth be told, what's true of me is also true of you. It's true of each of us. Apart from the grace of God in our lives, you, me, we're all John Doe. Apart from the grace of God in your life, the trajectory that you would find yourself on would have no good destination. If I could restate 1 Corinthians 15.10, I might say it this way. But by the grace of God, you are what you are. And His grace to you was not without effect. Now, maybe you've never had a John Doe moment like I had. And I'll tell you, that whole story is absolutely true. Maybe you grew up surrounded by faith and, and by the people of faith. And for that, be thankful. But still, why not let this moment, right now, serve you in a similar way? To remind you of the effects of God in your life. Take that moment. Still, I realize that it's entirely possible that some of you listening in today may find yourself in John Doe's shoes. The trajectory of your life, as it currently stands, has no good destination. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel like your life is totally out of control. Maybe you feel like there's no hope. Maybe nobody else knows it. But it's true nonetheless. And so as a result, like John Doe, maybe you've considered doing something rash. Well, to you I say what the scripture also says. Right? It also says it to you that the, the grace of God is not without effect. But beyond that, the scripture also tells us that this gracious God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And it reminds us that this unchanging God that the people he deals with are all, every one of them, in some way or another, John Doe's. 
For he tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not just you, not just me, but every one of us. And therefore, it also tells us that God is no respecter of persons. Well, what that means is basically this. When God looks at you, when God thinks of you, and He does, He doesn't think less of you. He doesn't think more of you than He thinks of someone else, of me, of the pastor, or of that person beside you. After all, everyone He deals with, everyone is like me, a John Doe. And what this means is simply this, that your trajectory need not be your destiny. Your trajectory need not be your destiny. All you have to do, as I did, is come to Him. All you have to do, as I did, is to call out to Him. And you can do that. Even right now. Even where you are. So why wait? Why wait? You don't have to be better. He specializes in John Doe's. He specializes in hard cases like you. The Bible really is just a book about God working in the lives of countless John Doe's. And the Bible is a book about the grace of God not being without effect. If that's your desire, if you'd like to change your trajectory, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to close that I invite you to make your own. And then after you've done so, go back to the website where you found me and look up the pastor, look up the church and drop them a note and let them know that, that you prayed this prayer. Prayer simply goes like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I ask your forgiveness. I believe Christ died for my sins and he extends his grace to me. And so with your help, I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust. I want to follow you as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to do so. And I pray this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Again, one last thing. If you prayed that prayer along with me just now, you couldn't have done anything to bring more joy to my heart. Yet, if that's the case, be sure to let the pastor know. Or even if that's not the case, you're not quite sure yet, let me encourage you to contact the pastor and either tell him of the step that you've taken or or if you're not there yet, to bring them your questions, to bring them those concerns that you still might have. He's just a click away. He'd love to hear from you and chat with you.
Thanks for your time. Well, I'm glad that Bernie could join us today uh, through video to give us that wonderful message. And I just want to say to if you um, made a decision, if you're able to pray along with Bernie during that time, then we'd love to hear about that. We'd love to help you uh, continue on your journey. We'd love to journey with you. And so there should be an indication uh, in the chat screen. You can just click on that or uh, shoot us an email. You can find us on our website. And we'd love to continue praying for you and with you and journeying with you. At this time, uh, we'll take our offering and uh, we'll have a video up on the screen just to show you the different ways that you can give. And then after that, uh, we'll send you off with a, a song, a praise song for the uh, pandemic. And then we'd like to, for you to join us in our virtual lobby. Uh, the Zoom link will be found in the notes and you can click on that. And then uh, we'd love to just hang out for a little bit and chat and get caught up on each other and maybe get to know some new people. So let me pray, and then we'll have the offering, and then enjoy the, the praise song for a pandemic, and then join us in the lobby. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, everything you've done for us. You are a good God. You're a loving God. And it's so true uh, that um, you love us first, and we respond. And I pray for anyone who made a decision right now to follow you, that you would strengthen them, keep them strong, keep them close to you, and for the rest of us, keep drawing us closer and closer to you, we pray. And we thank you for this opportunity to give. You've given us so many blessings. Help us to continue to be a blessing to other people in all the ways you've blessed us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.